welcome to another exciting episode of the Effie Awards. Very happy to have you back. We got four brand new nominees. We're going to get right to them right now. Precinct 6, Sergeant Allgood. Hello. Hello. Look, a man is assaulting a woman at 125 West 9th Street, second floor, at the rear. Now, make it fast. L.B. Jeffries. Chelsea, 25598. she turn him in? She's a smart girl. Smart girl? She'll get herself arrested. It'll get her out of there, won't it? Look, the wedding ring. Turn out the light, he's seen That was a clip from the classic Hitchcock film, Rear Window. Our next nominee in the Outlaw Award category. And just like in the movie, we have a Michigan lawyer who liked looking into other folks' windows. In fact, he was suspended for six months after being convicted twice for the crime of window peeping. <laughs> now, I have to confess, uh, I had to look this up. All right, apparently I must have slept through those days in a criminal law class. But window peeping is trespassing upon someone's property and then looking into the window... Technically, Jimmy Stewart was not a window peeper in the movie Rear Window because he did all of his peeping from the confines of his own apartment. You can do that. If other people leave their blinds open, enjoy yourself. It's it's a Friday night movie. But if you go on people's property, all right, (laughs) step into the hedges, get in their backyard, get all up on the window, fog it up with your funky breath, uh, then you've actually committed a crime. And that's what this lawyer did. Now, amazingly, he pleads guilty to peeping into you know, people's windows in early 2020, but the lure of peeping was just too strong. And so apparently, this is a common occurrence because he had to wear an ankle bracelet, sort of a GPS tracker. This is the thing, I guess, that the peepers do all the time, so the police want to keep an eye on them. And sure enough, three months later, they start getting calls from other people in that same area the lawyer had been peeping before, said, hey, someone's getting their peep on. So the police, they call Zuckerberg or whoever and check the GPS. And fortunately for the lawyer, they find out he's not in that neighborhood at these times. He's not that peeper. However, they do find out that he had been in other neighborhoods where there were similar complaints going on. And he was that peeper. (laughs) And sure enough, they catch him again in somebody else's backyard getting his peep on. And what he was doing was really disturbing. He would see attractive women in department stores. He'd then surreptitiously follow them home in his car. Now, at that point, he'd leave, but he'd come back later in the evening to do the peeping thing. Now, this is a violation of his parole, obviously. He gets rearrested, and this time they say, you know what, we're not letting you out anymore. All right, you done proven, you nasty. You're going to serve all your time on this one and the other peeping you've done. I looked, and I could not find how much time he served in jail. 
Uh, but I did learn just recently he has served another six months in bar jail. Yep, the Michigan bar suspended him for six months for these two crimes, which is why he has an out lawyer award, a nomination here. Now, the thing that's maybe the most disturbing or one of the more disturbing things here is that this lawyer doesn't just have a problem, right? With most men, we, we got a problem or two. But, you know, there's a way to do get your people on that's totally legal because there are actually websites. Peep.com, you can go and pay the money. Sometimes you don't have to pay free. You could just do all the people you want to do. Yee, for you. This is a guy who somehow apparently seemed to like the idea of unsuspectingly watching women who did not want to be watched. This is a predator. This is someone who, he, he, part of his thrill here is that it would disturb the other person. It would frighten them. He's, this, is a, this is not a nice guy. That said, the bar doesn't judge so much of that. It's misdemeanor violation. That, the second time he even pled guilty, not even to the crime of peeping, but to just simple trespass. And so the bar says, we really can only give you six months here. But they put something on here that was kind of interesting. They say, we'll give you six months suspension, and you can come back with conditions. I'm curious as to what those conditions will be. Obviously, I would make him get a website. Say, look, you need to show me you've got a subscription. You spend the six hours on the website peeping on people who want to be peeped on because uh, otherwise I don't trust you. This is someone who was out on a my ankle monitor and still found time to right, to get his people on. This is somebody who's, who's, who's problematic. And like I said, the nature of this to me is, is, is not the kind of thing that I think is not just not acceptable, but it's not understandable or redeemable or something we can say, okay, you know, he served his time because this is someone who seems to like to, you know, put women in positions that would make them extremely uncomfortable. That seems to be part of the thrill for him. And that is not something that likely is going to go away. I'm not a psychologist. I don't know. Let me I guess, pray for the guy and hope he does better. But I can tell you that um, if, if I ran a bar, um, you're not going to be in my bar uh, while you still got your peep attitude on. All my assets, both liquid and otherwise, I leave in their entirety to Marta Cabrera. My entire ownership of Blood Like Wine Publishing, I leave in its entirety to Marta Cabrera. The copyright of its catalog, likewise, I leave in its entirety to Marta Cabrera. Uh, no. That's not, no. that's, no, that can't be. No. Can I see that, please, Alan? Yeah, right. Please. This can't be legal. It's right. He's, you know, he's been... Oh, my God. He's been... He's been this, I don't know what to say. He's 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 a I don't know what to say. We're <laughs> his family, so... <laughs> it's not possible. Are safeguards against this? Right. Fine. Something I think you did. You know, Alan... No! Richard, we need to talk. We need to, to fight this thing. We're not going anywhere. I said get out! We are the thrombies, goddammit. This is still our house. Hmm? Oh, sorry. Uh, likewise, the house at Two Dearborn Drive and all belongings therein, I leave to Marta Cabrera. <gasps> oh. oh, you little bitch. You oh, uh, little Linda. bitch. Did you know about this? Were you in Wait. on this from this the beginning? No, no, no. I just want to know. What were you? What were you doing? Were you boinking my father? 
That was a scene from the movie Knives Out, which, by the way, is an excellent movie. I recommend it highly. Uh, in fact, it won a 2020 Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, and it's being nominated here, right, for an Effie for the David Copperfield Award. And we give that award every year to lawyers who have the magical ability to make client funds disappear. Now, in this case, we have a West Virginia lawyer who just had his license revoked after his client left most of her $1.7 million estate to him. Uh, this despite the fact that there's actually a rule <laughs> that says you can't do this, specifically in Virginia, but every state has it. Virginia Rule 1.8c reads, and I'll read it to you, a lawyer shall not solicit for himself or a person related to the lawyer any substantial gift from a client, including a testamentary gift. A lawyer shall not accept any gift if solicited at his request by a third party. A lawyer shall not prepare an instrument giving the lawyer or persons related to the lawyer any substantial gift from a client, including a testamentary gift, unless the lawyer or other recipient of the gift is related to the client. And then it goes on to say, for purposes of this paragraph, a person related to the lawyer includes a spouse, child, grandchild, parent, or other relative or individual with whom the lawyer or the client maintains a close familial relationship. Now, the existence of this rule, in my view, is a sign of shame for the legal profession. Why? Because of its specificity. No one drafts a rule this specific because this is something that might, could, possibly, maybe one day happen in the future, kind of, sort of, maybe. No, no, no. You get a rule like this because lawyers are doing this every damn Tuesday. And, and look at how the rule is written and, and seems to have kept expanding as lawyers created their own loopholes to it. Remember, I told you at first the rule was, look, don't beg for money, right? Don't solicit a gift from the client. But they know that apparently lawyers started getting other people to do the begging on their behalf. So it's okay, you can't get someone else to beg for money for you from the client. That wasn't enough because lawyers, instead of begging with the money where you were alive, said, okay, look, I'll just take it all when you're dead. All right, I'll draft a will, you leave it all to me. And so they had to put a rule about that that says, look, you cannot right, get other people to leave you all their money and not give any to their ungrateful kids. Then this is the crazy part is they had to go further than that. The rule, by definition, had to have a loophole that would say, hey, look, if it's a family member, you should be able to draft your spouse's will, your parents' will, and still be able to get some of the money. And so here they said, okay, look, we understand that, but now we need to define who is related to the client. Because we know you lawyers are going to start saying, hey, we're related. Uh, I'm their play cousin. Uh, I'm the grandson they never had. Right? I, I, <laughs> we're BFFs on Facebook, so that means I should get the money, right? And therefore, they had to set forth a specific list. You saw it child, grandchild, spouse, and then say, look, also, in addition to that, you got to be real close, right? Because we don't trust you. Otherwise, you lawyers are going to do everything you can to try to get some of this money. And certainly, that's exactly what happened here. The lawyer had represented this client years before when she got a divorce. Over time, she gets elderly and older. She actually has a stroke, leaves her somewhat incapacitated. And sadly, she's not very close with the rest of her family, and this lawyer, for whatever reason, they're still friends. They stay close over the years. And 
it's not really a big deal. I don't really think much about it because he doesn't know that she is an amazing saver. She never had a great job, didn't do well in income, but she's really good with her money. And so one day he happens to see that she's got like $1.7 million in a, in a, a stock account. And he says, hey, um, you know what? Um, we need to try to change your will probably. And you know, those, those grateful grandkids, they don't care about you. I love you. You my granny, Nana. Now, I don't know exactly how it all worked out, but I do know that when it comes time for the reading of the will, um, it's interesting because um, nobody's showing up like in the scene I just played for you and Knives Out. People just get emails or letters, and the letters say, hey, auntie left you so-and-so money. One of the nephews gets this letter and says, 30 grand? Hey, that's pretty nice. I didn't know auntie had any money. She must really like me. That's really nice. And he's excited to get his 30 grand. You know, maybe he'll take the kids to Disney World. And then he sees something else in the letter. And the letter says, um, by the way, <laughs> do not contest this will. It has a no contest clause. It says, if you try to contest this will, we're going to uh, take away even your 30 grand. And he thinks, that's strange. Right? It's not a lot of money. Why would anyone contest this anyway? And so he starts doing some digging. First thing he does is he Googles a lawyer. And one of the first hits on the first page shows that this lawyer is on a site for unethical lawyers. He starts reading the things the lawyer is accused of doing. And he finds out the lawyer had been convicted in 1988 uh, for doctoring ledgers in an IRS investigation. The lawyer had gone to prison for this, had gotten out, been suspended from the practice of law. Several times after that, he had been reprimanded by the, by the bar. And now... The warning bells are screaming for this, this nephew. He talks to some other family members. What did you get? What did you get? What did you get? He says, you know what? We should contest this will. And when they do, they find out that they only gotten 200000 of the $1.7 million that Auntie had. She left $1.5 million to the lawyers. <laughs> it's like, the way that, that's crazy. And so, sure enough, they hired their own lawyer to contest the will. Case goes to trial, goes to a jury. The jury takes just six hours to say to the lawyer, um, you better go on with that nonsense. You know darn what I laid and leave you all that money. And they nullify the will. The lawyer doesn't get anything. Shouldn't say that. The lawyer does get one parting gift. Um, he also gets his law license nullified. Ouch. Now, I'd love to tell you that this is an unusual case. One in a lifetime. But no, we, we have this all the time. What makes this particular case Effie-worthy is that the lawyer here got tripped up by his own, obviously by his greed, but also by trying to be cute here. He put in the no-contest clause that would discourage anyone from challenging the will. And it had just the opposite effect. <laughs> and had he just not put that in there, nephew probably never would have Googled him. Nephew would have thought, hey, I've had everything I want. And it shows why the lawyer thought, thought he could get away with this in the first place. He figured, hey, nobody knows she has all this money. Unlike in the movie Knives Out, this woman isn't some rich author that people have been living their whole lives and waiting for inheritance from auntie. They would be happy with whatever they got. And so the lawyer ends up tripping up his own self. Oops. You can speak. Yes, and um, I write as well. My penmanship isn't great, but uh, 
you know, opposable thumbs and fat fingers, you know. How oh, can you speak? Good question. How can I speak? Well, I watched it first. I listened. I paid attention to a lot of things. I, I learned. I stole books, newspapers here and there. And um, an old shaman in the valley helped me a little. Not only that, he taught me how to play chess. <gasps> Smart shaman. Not really. I mean, I beat him every time. He's a lousy player. And he cheats. He's a cheater. <laughs> You're exactly as I imagined. Eight feet tall. Chest circumference 70 inches. Total weight around 650 pounds. Well, I would say it's more like, uh, you know, 630 pounds. You know, it's it's the hair that makes me look heavier, I think. It's it's a, it's a little deceptive. It can be frustrating. Oh, but... and look at the size of those metatarsals. Whoa, sir! Wow, your hands! Do you mind if I smell you? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I bathed recently, you know, like two weeks ago in a creek. Uh, so sure, you didn't drink from the creek, did you? That was a clip from the animated film, The Missing Link. And it's a nominee for the Eager Beaver Award, given each year to lawyers who jump the gun and commit ethical violations before they even get a law license. Come on, people. Show some patience. And in some cases, lawyers earn this ethy by not waiting out of suspension and jumping back into the law game before their time. And, and this is one of those cases. Here we have a Pennsylvania lawyer who was administratively suspended for failure to pay bar duels. I'm sorry. Failure to pay bar dues. This is amazingly common for lawyers. Uh, even when they have, in this case, I think it's $225 uh, to pay the fees, they sometimes forget. It's, it's one of those things that falls through the cracks. Uh, but it, it, it can lead uh, to quite, quite, a, quite a mark. Uh, and here's why. The process to get reinstated is really simple, straightforward. Right? You run the bar, it's money. That's the easy part. Right? You write the check out, you say, here you go. The hard part is that when you send over the check, you have to attest to the fact that you did not practice law during the time that you were administratively suspended. Now, that part isn't so easy because unless you were on vacation right, all that time for that period of weeks or months or sometimes years, uh, you probably didn't know practicing while you were suspended. And then here is the big part. That's a big no-no. You violated the rules by not by practicing when you were suspended unlawfully. It's actually a crime. Now, in this case, when asked to make that attestation, lawyer, tell us you did not practice law during this time. The lawyer said, who, who, me? No, I, I was doing something else d during that year. Uh, and, and the line might have worked, um, but for the missing LinkedIn page, which listed his job title as in-house counsel. Ouch. As a result, not only had he practiced law while suspended, but now he got caught lying about it, right, when he filed for his reinstatement. As I've said to you a thousand times, all right, it, it's not the crime, it's the cover-up. In this case, the cover-up is going to cost the lawyer another six months in the penalty box. This is an unforced error, uh, but it's so common, and not just for lawyers. After all, if you ever forgotten to, I don't know, register your car by the annual deadline, I, I, I know I have. Statute of limitations has run. All right, don't report me. But but it's, it's usually no big deal. Well, provided that you don't actually drive your car while it's unregistered. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I don't ever drive, you know, any of my cars. You know, I got it like that. You know, when you're rich like this, you know, sometimes you take out the Bentley or the Lamborghini you know, if I, if I need to leave in a Rolls Royce, I can do that. Uh, obviously, uh, that's not that kind of party for me. I got one car. 
which means uh, I've driven it. I drive it every day and see if it's not registered. Now you've compounded the problem. <laughs> now, fortunately, this is not something that I would do now or have done in a very long time because I'm black. All right. I don't know if you heard, but the safest place in the world for a black man is not behind the wheel of an unregistered car, right, with expired tags. That's about a date. That's that's Fallujah. All right. That's Ukraine. All right. For a black man, you, you don't do that. All right. But some of the rest of you might do that in other contexts. It's an easy thing to do to just simply be a little late with the especially an annual filing. But the problem you get into is not with regard to missing the deadline so much, but the fact that all that time that you've missed the deadline, you're also complicated by driving without a license, driving with you know unexpired tags, practicing law without a license or medicine or accounting or whatever it is, and you end up making a you know a slight oversight a huge problem. Uh, matter of fact, uh, this lawyer ends up getting a six month suspension. Huge problem. What can we do to patch things up? I don't know. Tell me. I can't. Please. I don't know. Please tell me. Please. Just tell me. Stop please. it. I guess you don't want to talk about it. No, I don't want to talk about it. However, if you don't get out of here now, you have no idea how far I'll go. How far? Tell me. Sure, we've been horrible to each other, but we had something. We still do. We haven't passed any point of no return. I have. I'm not convinced. Nobody who makes pate this good can be all bad. That depends on what the pate is made of. Woof. Benny. A good dog to the last bite. And that clip was from our final nominee of this week, War of the Roses. Now, you remember the movie, and this scene in particular is where Kathleen Turner implies that she just served her soon-to-be ex-husband pate that was made from uh, his beloved dog. Spoiler alert, um, if you remember, uh, things got worse from there. By the end of the movie, the two of them literally uh, kill each other uh, in the course of you know this marital spat. Fortunately for our next nominee um, in, in, in this category, and this category here is Miss or Mister Uncongeniality, uh, no one's killed by the Lord's foolishness, uh, but he'll spend the next eighteen months in, in legal traction um, as he's been suspended from the bar in Florida. Why? for acting a fool while representing himself in his own divorce. Now, you've all heard the expression a lawyer who represents himself has a fool for a client. And in 10 years of law practice, I found that was always the case. You always had a fool for a client, even when it wasn't me. Um, but certainly in this case, it's, it's always going to be that. According to the Florida Bar, here's how they put it. Uh, this lawyer engaged in significant misconduct in his own divorce, including disrupting judicial hearings, Use of profanity in Zoom hearings and in pleadings. In pleadings, really? I understand you know, letting, letting a few words loose on, on the Zoom, but you wrote it out? Anyway, let me continue. Introduction of irrelevant and scandalous information about opposing counsel in the proceedings. <laughs> Your Honor, he got cooties. 
Let me keep going. Refusal to comply with court orders and direct communication with his former spouse and judge in the case, despite warnings to refrain from doing so. Now you got to be asking, why would an experienced lawyer act like this? Uh, here's why. Um, because he was experienced in tax law, not divorce law. And it's one thing when the opposing party is a tax investigator for the IRS, and quite another when it's a woman who took vows to love, honor, and not take half your stuff. And this is something that happens too often. I preach about it in live seminars all the time to lawyers. Lawyers represent themselves in their own divorce. And guys, I understand the temptation. Let's say, for instance, you were the breadwinner and your spouse got has to get their lawyer. You don't want to hire another lawyer. You got to have to pay for two lawyers now. And so you think, hey, I'm a lawyer. I can handle this. I can be reasonable here. No, you can't. I know you can't be reasonable, not with this person, and here's why. If you could be reasonable with them, you would stay with them and not have to split up your stuff. Right? Nobody gets divorced from someone they can be reasonable with. All right? The reason you get a divorce is because you don't want to end up like War of the Roses, and so um, you need to have someone who can navigate this for you, particularly in the case here where this is not even your area of law, and it's not the same. This is not that. It'd be like you wouldn't hire a chemical engineer to build a skyscraper. Right? That person might be very good with polymers, but uh, putting up a building is a whole different thing. <laughs> you wouldn't uh, hire um, an you know, ear, nose, and throat person right, to do your open-heart surgery. That same human body, but kind of little different skills. You're a tax lawyer. That's great, but it's not going to help in your divorce. The rules are different. They explain this here, and the lawyer ends up getting uh, suspended for 18 months, but it would have been worse. One of the things they said is, look, we're going to give you a little bit of a break here because we know you don't know what the heck you're doing. Okay, <laughs> We know you don't know how any of this works because you've been dealing with the IRS, and it doesn't get this real in IRS. All right? it doesn't deal, no one's dealing all up in their feelings like they are in a divorce case. This is something that an experienced divorce lawyer would know. He'd know how to keep parties calm, to stay away, etc. But you can't because you're crazy. It's War of the Roses. And that's why you need to, you know, call uh, FTD or some floors and uh, have somebody handle it other than you. You can't handle your own situations. This doesn't just apply to lawyers. It applies to everybody. Because we have these situations where we think, I can do my own work. Fortunately, I've never heard anyone trying to do their own dentistry. But other than that, um, I'm going to encourage you uh, to find other people who can do the thing. <laughs> Even, by the way, if you normally do it, because you can't be trusted to do it for you. That said, everyone, take care. And next week, we're going to be doing more of this for us. See you then. And finally, if you're a lawyer and you need your CLE, don't hesitate to get it from Mesa CLE. This is your comedic legal education, but it still counts as CLE. Mesa, M-E-S-A, CLE.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, please feel free to go to Patreon.com. Either look us up at Mesa CLE or at the Ethi Awards. And we thank you so much. See you next time.